guys. Welcome to episode 33 of the Atlas Podcast. My name is Emma Loggins, editor-in-chief at fanbolt.com. And my name is Jakai Mickelson, creative guy and independent filmmaker. <laughs> I, need, I need something better than creative guy. I don't want to say there. I'm like, graphic designer just sounds so like, eh, awesome. you could do better. Yeah, I guess it sounds <laughs> awesome, but uh, yeah. I think it's awesome. I need to sound more powerful, like senior graphic artist creative being. There well, you go. I'll just do that from here on in. Yeah. <laughs> Creative God. How about that? That's subtle. I like it. That's subtle. Yeah. It's very humble. Yeah. That's what I'm into. I'm so humble. <laughs> I'm the most humble person ever. <laughs> um, well, we have a super cool show this week, which is fitting because now this podcast is as old as me. So that's true. Good Lord. What, what are we? 30, we're 33 right now? Is we're this? 33. Yeah. Oh, oh, good Lord. You're so young, Emma. I know. We, we've still I feel got, young. We've still got some time until... The, the podcast is older than me. And I what I love is we've we've actually created uh there's like dog years and there's <laughs> and there's podcast years and and very coincidentally each week is one year for a podcast. So it's good to know. It is. It is. <laughs> um, we have a super cool show today. We have some interviews that I have been wanting to uh, get out for a while, but because things weren't released yet, I couldn't. Um, but Kings of Khan, uh, which we kind of talked about a little bit before, because we had um, two of the stars from that, Rob and Richard, were at Joystick for last month's Project Cosplay. And I got to chat with them a little bit about their new series, which is out on Comic-Con TV uh, now. So you can check it out and watch all of it now. Or they may be doing one a week. I may be completely incorrect on that. But you can definitely see some of it now online. No, uh, <laughs> um, what is that? What's Comic-Con TV? Uh, so Comic-Con has their own like streaming TV thing now. So you can see like okay. panels from Comic-Con. They have, special, uh, they have special shows uh, with... Like uh, uh, this one, Kings of Con, Con Man, which uh, is Nathan Fillion and Alan Tudyk's thing. We kind of talked to him a little bit at Dragon Con about that to Alan and, and the kind of game that has spun out of that, too. These are very right. two very similar shows, both of these, um, but two very different perspectives. And they're both shows with people that we love in them. So definitely <laughs> nice. recommend checking them out. They're hysterical. Um so we have that, and then a box office report, a review of Arrival, and then in honor of what is happening this week, which is pretty freaking awesome, Harry Potter magic is back in our world, back in our life. <laughs> um, Fantastic Beast is out this Friday, and we have interviews with J.K. Rowling and Eddie Redman, or Redmayne. Uh, so we have all of that in uh, today's show, so... That's pretty a, stoked about it. That's a hell of an introduction. We should we should have like know. we should have like Tarantinoed it somehow and like started at the ending and then and then went you know through the middle, but then went to the beginning and then came around to tease it and then have it be over. <laughs> Maybe next time. Maybe next time. <laughs> no, it does. It sounds like a fun show. I can't I can't wait to listen to it. <laughs> Well, I want to start with talking about your screening and how that went. It seemed like it went really well. Seemed like you were pretty pretty happy with it. Well, you know, going into it, I didn't really completely understand exactly how it was being positioned and everything. And uh, we were invited to go to a dinner ahead of the screening the night before. And come to find out, we were going to have dinner at the Chancellor's home, the Chancellor of Duke. Uh, and frankly, I went to community college, so I didn't really know what that meant. But apparently, it's a pretty big deal. Um, and it was, uh, it was really cool. It was, a, it's a, it's a, it was a, we were, we were driving up to it, you know, and I'm like, what is this, a library? No, no, it was just home. It was, uh, not a small, 
small home. But uh, what ended up happening <laughs> is uh, we had dinner there, and then the next day we had the screening, and the screening was free for people to come check out. But uh, it was really cool. The executive producer, Tommy Oliver, who lives out in Los Angeles, came out for the screening, and he he came out and he's all, "Have you? Hey, so have you said hello to the mayor yet?" I'm like, "The who's a what? The what now?" So the mayor <laughs> was there. So, uh, and it was all for it was all for our film. So it was it was actually uh, really exciting. It was on the panel afterwards, and um, uh, it was super well received uh, to the point where I kind of have a new. I've always believed in the work, but but I kind of have. I feel like I I have a new, bolder belief. In, in what we've done. So I'm really hopeful that, that that'll be kind of the first domino to finally fall and to actually awesome. start getting the thing out there a little bit. I mean, it was, there's a, there's a woman there named Wesley who, uh, she's got a, um, really important title. She's like the documentarian for Duke university. And she, and she heads up this entire thing. And she told me, and this feels like I'm bragging a little bit, but uh, I feel like I need to, cause it's been sitting on my hard drive for so long unseen. <laughs> She says she sees over, you know, 200 films a year. She watched ours more than three times. She can't get enough of it. She says she's never seen anything like it. So it was just, it was seriously wonderful to hear after everything that, that, uh, that we've done to try and get this movie done. So it was, it was spectacular. Um, it went way better and way bigger than I could have hoped. I mean, just the people in attendance alone was like, what the heck is happening here? So uh, it was nice for Omar and I to feel uh, important. For, for a couple awesome. seconds. Yeah. Well, congratulations. I'm glad that you guys and Spilled Milk is finally getting the attention it deserves. Uh, thank you very much. Now we got to do is figure out how to get it out there. One of the questions we had was like, so well, where can we see this movie? I'm like, ah, well, you can't. If you were here today at Duke University, you totally saw it. So good for you. <laughs> uh, so that's one of the things we got to talk strategy and figure out exactly where we're going from here. Because one of the things that Wesley said is because I, I, I mentioned some of my frustration. about like, OK, if the movie's so amazing, why can't we get into a film festival? And she said she doesn't think it's a film festival kind of movie, um, which I don't know what that means. <laughs> it's like this great movie, but nobody can see it. So I, I don't know We're, we're uh, hopefully I'll have some stuff to report to where people can actually go see the movie because so many people are like it's a weird situation to be in when so many people want to champion this film and get it out there and we can't yet it's like all right we've got an army just uh what are our what are our orders uh do nothing right. just hang out for a while so um but regardless it was it was a great 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 weekend and uh duke university man pretty cool place that's awesome. Well, congratulations. Thank you very much. Sorry if I talked too long about that, but it was exciting. No, you're great. I didn't. It's another week of me just getting ready to do stuff. So um, <laughs> nice. I don't have a I don't have a whole lot to talk about. I can say um, I'm prepping for interviews this weekend with uh, Heroes and Villains Fan Fest. I was super excited because I thought I was going to get Jason Momoa and, you know, Aquaman and I were going to have a little little chat but apparently i'm not getting jason momoa oh. now so sad face i'm gonna <laughs> still try to do a photo op with him though <laughs> nice. um, but i am getting uh sean gunn and milo ventimiglia who i'm going to chat with about gilmore girls which of course um premieres on netflix on uh friday morning black friday morning which is november 25th and um what's really cool i'm actually taking over the twitter for um the up channel which has been doing a marathon of gilmore girls and i'll be live tweeting 6 a.m to 9 a.m on black friday morning for for their marathon uh from their handle so i'll talk wow. a little bit more about that next week but that's, that's gonna be super cool that's pretty cool yeah yeah um, so, but in addition to those two guys, I also have, um, Emily DeRaven and, um, 
Uh, one additional cast member from Once Upon a Time. Wait, hold on. Let me look at my list here. Who is it? Um, Rebecca Mater. Um, so I have both of them from Once Upon a Time. And I also have uh, the Comic Book Men, which I'm super stoked about. Of course, Ming is going to be a judge at Project, Project Cosplay this Thursday. And uh, two comic book artists I'm also going to be chatting with, Brian Roll and Rob Pryor. Oh, nice. So that should be a pretty fun weekend of interviews. Even though Jason Momoa is no longer on that list, I'm still excited for it. Oh no, yeah, you got it. You got it. The glass is half full. Glass is, glass half, full. is half full. Exactly. I mean, I'm getting you know two Gilmore Girl cast members. I can't be like that sad about it. I'm pretty stoked. Are you going to tell them um, about the time you spent nine hours in line to get a cup of coffee? I am. Okay, yeah, yeah. I am. I was thinking about bringing the cup of coffee because I still have it because I saved the uh, the actual like paper cup in the sleeve it came in and I, be like, hey I saw guys, it. you know how long I waited for this? <laughs> I, I saw it <laughs> at your home. I was like, oh, that, well, at least she's got it. I'd keep it too wait, based on what you went through for that. I know it was an ordeal. <laughs> but uh, after that, I'm actually headed out on Monday for a road trip with Kia um, in one of their their new cars um, up to Nashville for a quick two day trip to basically test out the car and um, write a little post for Kia and do a bunch of social promotion for their new car. I'm not actually sure which car we're going to be in. So that's that's going to be a surprise. I'm doing this with Krista Thompson, um, who runs a site called The Fairytale Traveler. And, of course, she was the the girl I went to Scotland with, um, who I did not have great car luck with in Scotland. <laughs> right. So hopefully this road trip will go better. Um, but, yeah, so I've just been doing a lot of work um, getting ready for all of the stuff uh, this next week, which is a holiday week um, next week. But somehow I've made it more full than any of my other weeks. So that's cool. <laughs> yeah. I know. we, uh, Vandy and I, my wife and I were talking about just like how, like, it's uh, we. I think we've mentioned this before. It's just it's just not slowing down. We're we're actually painting uh, over the next two days. It, another friend of ours in the neighborhood is out of town, and we realized, wait a minute, they're out of town. We could temporarily stay in their home because we're house watching, helping to watch their dogs and stuff. We realized we can just stay in their house while painters come to actually finish our house, so we can actually move in. Right. So mm -hmm. that's that's what's happening. But we we're all so stressed out about it because Mandy's got work. I've got tons of work and all while trying to take care of a baby. It's just been Aww. a lot. Yeah. But hopefully, hopefully for Thanksgiving, we can sit in a house that maybe has a couple things hung up on the wall. That's our goal. That's our goal. <laughs> I believe in you. Thank you. <laughs> Um, one other thing that's pretty cool, I'm starting to get all of the screeners for award season because uh, I'm a member of the Georgia Film Critics Society. Um, so I got Sausage Party yesterday. <laughs> that's, that's the only screener I've received so far. Nice. But uh, I love that they're coming in now because I'm I'm really hopeful. And um, this this film doesn't come out until December 9th. Um, La La Land, which I saw last night and is hands down my favorite film of the year and one of my top favorite films of all time. Um, high praise, high praise. And I'll do a review closer to release date on it because I don't think I'm technically allowed to talk about it yet. Um, <laughs> I'm sure they're not going to mind that kind of publicity. <laughs> yeah, I was like, if it's good publicity, they can't be mad at it, right? Right. Um, but I really, really loved it. And I'm hopeful I'll get a screener of that because I, I want to watch it like a thousand times. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that stuff's coming in. Um, got a big box from HBO today with a bunch of Game of Thrones stuff in it. And I open it and the box starts singing the theme song to me. It's it's just like Christmas here already. Nice. Well, <laughs> congratulations. We uh, 
we uh, got paint. So it's the same. <laughs> it's totally the <Yeah>. same. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's kind of everything in a nutshell. Um, I am really excited about uh, um, Kings of Khan. I haven't got a chance to watch it yet other than the uh, the previews and trailers that they've had online. But um, definitely recommend checking out Comic-Con TV. And that is our first interview that we have uh, for for today. And it was at Joystick Game Bar, and it's a little noisy. I mean, we were in a bar, and someone started playing a pinball machine behind us. So we're only going to pay, play part of this interview, the part that is you can listen to without wanting to pull your hair out. Um, so... Uh, yeah, this is this is me chatting with Rob Benedict and Richard Spate of Kings of Con. And also pinball machines. <laughs> so since I will be using part of this on the podcast, can you guys talk a little bit about what the show's about and why people should watch it and sure. all of that? Absolutely. Robbie and I have been doing supernatural conventions for what, seven years now? That's right. We met doing supernatural conventions. We uh, started working on stage at Supernatural Conventions and cracking each other up. And then we started cracking each other up backstage and realized all the tomfoolery and mayhem has taken place backstage with the goofy actors that we all work with. There's a show here. There's a show here. We should write this show. We should choose this show. We should probably star in this show. We should make this show. And we've done just that. Um, and we've done so because we were graced with... Uh, a lot of other fellow actors who were backstage with us goofing around and helping us create stories despite the very existence of being on the road with this convention for years and years and years. And it's turned into this great experience that Robbie and I have had and, and are, are excited to be putting out there. Backstory. Robbie and I did an Indiegogo campaign. Uh, we had an idea. We got a camera. Robbie wrote some scenes. I shot the scenes. We put them together and thought, let's take them to the people, see what they say. In stunning but not surprising form the supernatural crowd responded uh, in a huge way for us and and the campaign went like gangbusters and because of that response it caught the eye of Lionsgate who's uh, creating this new channel with Comic-Con called Comic-Con HQ and uh, and we got a meeting with them and they uh, they wanted to produce the show so it, it was it, it all like was made wonderful sense it was created this whole convention circus created by the fans it spawned this idea for me and rich because of the fans we got some attention which got us the show on, a, on an actual network and so uh, uh so we you know we created the show we sh we've shot 10 episodes it's premiering november 15th at comiconhq.com right and, and, the, and the question was also in this lineup here why 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 i'll yeah. tell you why here's why you watch why, the rich? show you watch the show if you like comedy if you like character it has nothing to do with being a convention goer if you are a convention goer if you're a person who's been to conventions or go regularly to conventions there are certain inside jokes you might get that others won't but at the end of the day this is a story about two guys and their wacky perception on the weird, weird world they live in and you can take robin rich the characters and put them on a torpedo boat and you still have the great stories that we've crafted because really it's about the relationships of these guys and the characters around them and how they perceive the world and the world around them and how they react and act in it. So the conventions are a great backdrop, but at the end of the day, it's a comedy for comedy lovers and a story for people who like great television. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's heart there. There's heart in our show. There's, you know, it's a lot of laughs, but there's art also underneath it all. Is, you know, these two guys are best friends, and they really do love the, the actors they work with in spite of the fact that they're all batshit crazy. Yeah. And that's also important to note, Robbie, because... This is a fan convention world where we are setting our show in, but it in no way, shape, or form is making fun of or making light of the fans. It is about the goofball performers who inhabit the world, not the fans. The fans, in real life, Robbie and I know this, are very grounded, dialed-in people who have their act together. Yeah. It's the, it's the actors paid to be there that are real messes, so that's the world we focus on, and that's the story we tell, and that's where we get our comedy. You guys have such a great dynamic together. I was watching your Indiegogo video, and it was, it was awesome. Um, was that just like natural from like the moment you guys met, or did you guys kind of like have to get to like each other, or what was, what was the kind of relationship building? It's kind of natural right away. I mean, we we're very similar uh, types. We've We've actually known each other, I think, for a while. We didn't know each other personally. We just knew of each other. I was a fan of Rob's work. He was not familiar with mine, but... It's a, it's a story Rich likes to tell. Uh, but, uh, no, we're, we're, we're very similar types. And, uh, but we quickly found out when we met each other that we, we worked well together. Our comedy was very similar. Similar things made us laugh. And, uh, and they used to pair us on stage together at these conventions. And on stage, it just it worked really well, and I think that's what made us good friends, but also what made us go, oh, we should write this down, this is pretty good stuff. Because at the, end, at the end of the day, Robbie and I are we're performers, we're entertainers. Rob's an actor, I'm an actor. Rob's a writer, I'm a writer. Rob's a musician. Uh, I dabble in directing. We, we bring similar things and different things to the table in a lot of ways, and we're old enough and wise enough to recognize when something is unique and the recipe Rob and I struck on stage and backstage was unique. Our, our sensibilities were similar, and the way we were able to riff with each other in sort of an improvisational, comedic way, you don't run into all the time. And, and we knew that not only do we enjoy each other's company, but we'd be absolutely morons if we didn't capitalize on it and, and, and combine our forces and do something with it. And we batted around a lot of ideas. To be honest, like, this was the idea that was the right idea. We had conversations about doing that movie in Oregon. Like, you know, we had been bouncing around some ideas about what do we do? How do we take this, this synergy that we have and, and use it to our advantage to tell the stories that we want to tell? And this became the obvious best choice. So those two guys are super cool dudes to talk to, and I'm going to try to get a little bit more with them uh, for some upcoming shows that doesn't involve pinball machines in the background. Um, but they they did give me a super cool spoiler, which I'm not allowed to talk about until December, um, but I'll tease it by saying a certain person that's on a certain AMC show may be making, may be making an appearance on... On their show. Ming is going to be on that show? That's awesome. No, it's not, not Ming. But, oh. oh, maybe. Maybe Ming. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we'll talk about that a little bit closer to when I'm actually allowed to, to talk about that and tease that. But um, aside from that, it was a, another successful weekend at the box office. Um, no surprise that Doctor Strange held on to the top spot for the second weekend in a row. It uh, brought in an impressive $85 million haul the opening weekend, which was November 6th, last weekend. And this weekend, it brought in an additional $43 million. Uh, so 
all of this continuing to do really well, doing really well overseas too. It brought in 60.2 million in its third week of release outside the US and Canada, thus bringing the film's global gross to 492.6 million. And it's expected, of course, that the film will break the 500 million mark this week. It probably already has as of when people are listening to, to this. Right. Um, but it's uh, expected to surpass the global box office success of Ant-Man as well, which brought in 520 million last year. Um, holding on to second place this weekend was Justin Timberlake and Anna Kendrick's Trolls. The film brought in an additional 35 million. Coming in third was the debut of Arrival with Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner. I was actually surprised that it didn't do better than that. Um, it, it made $24 million this weekend, had a uh, production budget of $47 million, so I think it's still going to be successful for them, and I think it's going to probably stick around in the top five for a while. That would be, yeah. Um, but uh, And we'll get into the review of that, but um, really, really great film. Uh, meanwhile, Danny Glover and Gabrielle Union's comedy Almost Christmas debuted at fourth with $15.6 million, and Mel Gibson's real-life war drama Hacksaw Ridge rounds out the top five with $10.8 million. And this week, uh, we have a ton of movies coming out that are supposed to be really good. Uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. I am seeing that tonight, which will be last night when people are listening to it, if they <laughs> listen to this on the day it comes out. Um, <laughs> So I've heard it's amazing. I've heard it's the best blockbuster of the year. So hopefully it holds up to that. I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. So high expectations. Um, The Edge of Seventeen, which I also heard is really, really good. And despite there being a ton of screenings for that one, I somehow missed every single one. Um, But I've heard that that one's great, too. So I definitely recommend checking that out if you want something a little bit more kind of coming of age indie, but still funny. Uh, Manchester by the Sea is supposed to be amazing. Haven't seen it. I think there's a screening for it this Friday, but I will be missing that one. Um, Nocturnal Animals. Missed that screening. Have no idea if it's good. Um, Billy Lynn's <laughs> Long Halftime Walk, which of course is a Made in Georgia film, um, also comes out this Friday. So there you have it. That's everything coming out. Lots of week. stuff happening. Yeah. Good Lord. Lots it's a big, stuff. big, big release weekend. It is. It is. I I mean, I think it's going to be uh, hands down Fantastic Beast that comes in in the top spot. And I would I would guess that Doctor Strange will hold on to a strong second. I hope that Arrival holds him to third and Trolls is the one that falls. But um, I don't know. I feel yeah, like it's a fam- uh, yeah. family movie time. So, it, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, yeah, uh, it's, that's an interesting one. And Trolls is like pretty and it's got rainbows and. There's something that people could use these days. It's some colorful rainbows. Um, That's did, true. Uh, you you did forget to mention where Medea is right now, or Medea. Medea? I've said Medea. 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 But she's eight. I don't know which one is right. Still Let in the check. top ten. Still in the top ten. Oh, is she? Mm-hmm. Well, I, she can't. She, she's done remarkable. <laughs> remarkable. Very- very Remarkable work that Medea yeah. has done. Medea. Medea. <laughs> Tyler Perry's just uh just killing it with that one. Yeah. So I just like to uh, I just like to offer updates on how that's going. <laughs> it's gonna be like the biggest DVD like sell of all time. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna blow Evil Dead out of the water. That's biggest piece. Did you uh, did you did you keep watching Atlanta just to continue you my trek of going I'm off a- the rails? 
I'm a couple episodes behind on it. I know it's already wrapped up, so I'm going to marathon through the the last few episodes, probably uh, Thanksgiving weekend. But I am behind, so no spoilers. Yeah, I won't spoil anything. <laughs> I, I think I've still got three more to go, but uh, it's so good. I just I just want to emphasize how good that show is. Anyways, that's that's all. Just wondered if you'd been keeping up on it, because I, you know, with all the move and everything, I didn't I didn't do the best job of keeping up with it as they came, but. I saw them right. all, so I kind of binged watched a few and woke my wife up once I was laughing so hard, which is awesome. Aww. Yeah, so there you go. Yep, I got to catch up on that and also Westworld because I'm totally in love with that one and I'm a few episodes behind there as well. But especially shows like Westworld, it's so much more enjoyable to just marathon through it than it is to watch it week by week. So I, I feel like Netflix is like slowly ruining TV for me. Like this whole like waiting a week for a new episode. It just it uh, I, seems old school and obnoxious now. I, totally <laughs> I just got, want it all now. <laughs> for the last season of Game of Thrones, I was like, I don't I'm not watching one of these until I can watch them all because I know myself well enough to know I'll be angry that if I'm in a binge watch, like I've got the time to do it and I can't. Yeah. Gotta yep. gotta wait for them all to be done. <laughs> That's the way to do it. I mean, I've, I've said, I don't know how many times that's how I, I did Lost. I did the, the last season I did episode to episode, but uh, the first five watched it or watched it all marathon style and I wouldn't do it any other way. And I, I think Game of Thrones is definitely one of those shows that I would have enjoyed more had I done it that way. <laughs> well, I think I can't remember if I was talking to you about this, but uh, I, I was way late to the Game of Thrones party because I didn't have HBO and then I mm-hmm. discovered it and... Then I binge watched. I think it just they just wrapped season five, right? Mm-hmm. So I binge no watched six. They six. just watched You're right. six. You're right. Yeah. I binge watched the first four just in in the amount of time that you should never do that. And it was like <laughs> it, it affected my view of humanity. I was like in a weirdly dark place. I'm like, I need to watch a cartoon or something. <laughs> yeah, that's uh it's one of those shows that's kind of like uh like Breaking Bad or Mad Men or yeah. Walking Dead or any of those shows that you just watch it and then you're just like I need something happy in my life. Totally. <laughs> like, totally. Yeah. So just th- so depressing. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, it's, I think it's I think that's one of the reasons sometimes where it's like, oh, maybe it makes sense to just watch one at a time instead of you know, having like 8 pounds of Skittles for dinner. <laughs> you know right. I mean? Yeah. So I don't know why I went with Skittles. Could have gone with anything edible. I went I went to, with Skittles. I like Skittles. Yeah. I like the red ones. I'm allergic to the purple ones. So Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Fun fact. <laughs> well, that makes eating Skittles in the dark very dangerous for you. It does. Yeah. It does. <laughs> it's well, no laughing matter. Jeez. <laughs> um, all right. Well, with 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 that uh, with that news, uh, do, do you want to do you want to give a, a review to Arrival? Yeah, let's talk Arrival. Um, yeah, set me up. Run me through the questions. All right. Well, first of all, just to, again, for our confused listeners, this is not Charlie Sheen's Arrival. <laughs> no, it is uh, it is not. Let me find a quick uh, uh, thorough description of it because I will, uh, I will, oh, look, it brought up the Charlie Sheen one. <laughs> um <laughs> So Amy Adams plays a professor who leads an elite team of investigators uh, through this whole event that happens when these gigantic spaceships touch down in 12 locations around the world. And as nations kind of teeter on the verge of global war, um, her and her crew kind of has to race against time to find a way to communicate with these visitors. And 
Hoping to unravel the mystery, she takes a chance that could threaten her life and quite possibly all of mankind. So, and also just to, just to cut in really fast, uh, Amy Adams' arrival has an eight point five on IMDb user rating. Charlie Sheen's arrival six point three, six point three. Well, that's you know there. That's not bad. That well. I mean, it could be worse. I was expecting around a seven. I'll be honest, just with my retrospective. Oh, I like that movie. But now I know that I shouldn't have liked it. Anyways, we're focusing on today because that's what it's on about. On today. Yes. Uh, exactly. The future. So, Amy Adams. So how, uh, how uh, also in a Muppet movie, uh, how, on, on, a, on a scale of one to five, five being super bored, how bored were you? Uh, zero. Nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So, let's see. I guess this means the eye rolling gauge is just going to be off the charts. Really, a lot of eye rolling in this film? Zero. Okay. We're zero, zero. <laughs> so, so far, this has been really interesting to listen to. Uh, so, who was, <laughs> what was the best performance in this film? Um, Amy Adams was amazing in this. She She's definitely, you know, the, the right uh, leading lady for this role. And... What's what's something that I think should be noted is that this movie is not what I think a lot of people are going to expect it to be. It feels a lot like Contact did, um, like a modern day kind of Contact. Um, of course, the the film with Jodie Foster in it, um, which I loved. And there was this whole kind of other uh, kind of like deeper level to that film. And you could interpret it however you wanted to interpret it. And that's what was so beautiful about it. And there's a very similar uh, side to Arrival where it kind of really plays with the concept of time and um, time being, you know, linear versus circular and what is, you know, the order that things happen in and um, really being able to, to understand and grasp what time actually is. And, you know, people can come at that with, you know, f- from a thousand different angles and have their own interpretations of it. And I, I really love what that movie did with it. Um, so I think Amy Adams was perfect for that role. And I, well, I, you still have more questions for me, but <laughs> there was not down. a single, there was not a single bad performance in it. I was sitting there and the movie was over and I was just like completely in love with it. All right. Well, so, okay, so no bad performances. Uh, not filmed in Georgia, I do not believe. No, no, not filmed in Georgia. Um, so, all right. Well, I guess I guess we just we just skip to the big crescendo. What's uh, what is this? One to five. Uh, definitely a five for me. Full it's Atlas. It's a full, full atlas. atlas. Not even reserved. Not even reserved. No disclaimers not about like reserved. it's not going to win an Oscar. Just FNA. This movie's an atlas. You know, I think that this is going to be a really difficult award season. Um, Arrival, I don't think it seems like a, a natural pick for a lot of people with, um, you know, for for best film. or And then of course, I haven't seen all the, the films that will probably be nominated for best film. Um, but I definitely think it deserves to be. I mean, what we have like 10 films that are nominated for it now. It's kind of a, an insanely long list that that get gets those nods right and i definitely think it's it's worthy of um being in that group of films um it's just it's they did a great job with it it's a great story it's a really great thought-provoking story with great performances um i think all of the it's going to be one of those movies that's going to be in the sound editing categories for sure even though that's probably going to go to a marvel movie or to fantastic beast or, <laughs> right. or some of the big blockbusters um but there was really 
every part of it was solid. There's nothing that I would change. There's nothing that annoyed me. It was just um, from beginning to end. It was a solid movie. Nice. Okay. So that was an emphatic uh, endorsement for Amy Adams (laughs) arrival. And it's, it's too. It's why I was so surprised it, you know, came in third. And I guess I'm. You put it up against Doctor Strange, and I don't even want to compare it to Trolls. I haven't seen Trolls, but I haven't heard good things about Trolls from other people who are not, you know, um, like ten year old kids. I know ten year old kids loved it. But, right. Um, right. It's. Uh, um, I don't know. I just I, I feel I feel like Arrival should have done better. I understand Doctor Strange holding on to the top spot, but I just I, I really wanted Arrival to do better. So I hope it kind of sticks around for the long haul, even if it's, you know, not in the top spots. It continues to hang on in the top five for a little bit. Yeah, well, I uh, I uh, I like good, smart movies. I will I will admit that uh, Contact, the Jodie Foster film. Mm-hmm. The only thing I know, I've never seen it. The only thing I know about that is from an old South Park episode where Mr. Garrison says, you sit through the entire movie to find out it's your father. Mr. Garrison says that in like an angry <laughs> age. So I'm like, oh, I guess I don't need to see it now. <laughs> so, Well, I mean, I, I think that's one of the things that's open to interpretation with it. Um, I mean, I would say spoiler alert, but I mean, it came out in the 90s. So if you haven't seen it yet, I feel like that's kind of on you. Um, But really, I mean, you could argue whether or not she it was her father. It was an alien, whether she went anywhere, whether it was a dream. Like there's so many different aspects of it that you could argue, you know, in the in the film. uh, What you see is this alien approaching her that appears as her father and it tells her it's appearing as her father because, you know, they wanted to. present themselves in a way that would be you know the least traumatizing way and something that would make her feel safe and calm and you know um, comfortable and but 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 it is open to interpretation to whether that was her dad whether that was an alien whether she saw anything at all whether she just hit her head and had like you know some sort of um, just illusion like it's um, completely open for interpretation and that's what I love so much about that movie is that you can argue a thousand different sides of it nice well apparently I just I just took the Mr. Garrison South Park side <laughs> don't listen to South Park <laughs> come South, on now South Park has taught me a lot <laughs> <laughs> fair enough fair enough um, so uh, speaking of uh, South Park and, and transitioning to uh well, actually, they kind of did like a Harry Potter. No, they were. It's kind of more Lord of the Rings. The thing that they did with the Stick of Truth, which was an amazing video game. As I go all over the map, I'm trying to circle around to uh, Fantastic Beasts because don't we have we have interviews? We do. We yeah. do. I like the transition there. Mm, it was. It's, it's fantasy. It's in the fantasy realm. That's right. You know there. what? I got a I got a catalog today um, of like all of the the Lord of the Rings, like um, DC Marvel merch, and of course they had Harry Potter and Fantastic Beast in there. So brought it full circle for nice. you. Nice, nice. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for adding a little clear tape over the seal. Now it's absolutely <laughs> perfect. Um, exactly. <laughs> so uh, so these interviews are from well, of course they're from my exclusive sit down with both the author. And one of the stars of the film. Exactly. I just don't know their names right now because I'm, <laughs> I'm very drunk. Well, I know one. Of course, I know the author of, you know, J.K. Rowling. But uh, yes, do not know. And of course, Eddie uh, Redman, who is God, I keep saying his name wrong too. Eddie Redmayne. Um, it wouldn't be an atlas if I didn't butcher someone's name. Um, but but uh, he's, uh, of course, our, our lead star in this film. Oh, well, no, I, I know him as... Uh, uh, 
he did that really good role as, oh my gosh, come on, the guy who can't Theory move. Theory of everything? Yes. Stephen Hawking? There we go. I know him <laughs> as Stephen Hawking's and even like messed up his back because he was such a method actor that he had to sit the wrong way for that film. He's an incredible actor. Um, I I mean, everything I've seen him in, uh, he's just, he's amazing in it. So I'm I'm excited when I see really amazing, talented actor, uh, actors come over and do some of these more kind of blockbuster films because I feel like it adds an an, an additional layer to the storytelling and more... Uh, more authenticity and just better acting. And it's it's the same thing with um, Benedict Cumberbatch and, and the role of Doctor Strange. Right. I, just, I love seeing these seasoned actors in these roles. It's just fantastic. Well, I felt the same way when I saw Russell Crowe was going to be in that Superman reboot. And then, and then that happened. And then that happened. Well, I'm just like a beacon of positivity, aren't I? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, well, you might think that's good, but let me tell you why it could be stupid. But no, I, I, <laughs> I agree. That guy's a good actor. I, I hold him in the high esteem just based on that theory of everything thing. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay, so uh, well, anyways, here is my interview with that guy. Hello there, Eddie. Welcome to the sauna. So how'd you find the script? When I read this script, I found it funny, I found it thrilling, I found it, um, I found it dramatic. For, for those people that are fans of the Harry Potter world, it's, it's taking all of that imagination and taking it to a place, taking it to the 1920s, to New York. I can only imagine. So what does Newt believe? What Newt believes is he sees the wonder and the brilliance in these animals and he believes that the wizarding community with a proper education um, could learn to live side by side with these animals and appreciate how extraordinary they are. Um, so he travels around the world, he's researching his book and he has spent at the beginning of the film, uh, at the beginning of the film, he spent a year in the field and he collects these endangered species um, and he keeps them in his case, which in itself is a sort of wondrous plethora of terrains. It's a huge, huge space down there. And, um, and, and he, tr he sort of looks after them. And, um, and his plan is to, to, to study them and to educate the wizarding world on them. Not for nothing, but I learned the word plethora from the Steve Martin Chevy Chase film, The Three Amigos. Yes. <clears throat> Throwing that out there. What was it like to have Rowling be a part of the process? I love this, how thorough it is. And, and when I got to meet her, um, you know, I'd read the script and loved this character, but, but we, I don't think we even did any sort of pleasantries. We just jumped straight into his character and she gave me all of his backstory and any question I had about, about him and, and this world and all the animals. I mean, she had such a kind of legacy of history and for an actor, that's the dream. You know, if you're, if you're, if you're playing, normally you just get to read what's on the page, let alone have the, having the actual, you know, the mind and the imagination of Joe to, to guide me through it was amazing. Is friendship important? That camaraderie is, is an essential element to it. Um, for Newt, he, he stumbles into these three people, uh, Tina, Queenie and Jacob, and, and throughout the film he finds a connection um, with, with Jacob. Um, this, there's this kind of odd buddy movie quality to it. These two people who couldn't be more different end up having finding real contact with each other and um and and with Catherine's character with Tina it's um it's a sort of slow build connection these two people who are outsiders um and and yet passionate people sort of begin to 
begin to glimpse and, and find each other. And, and this idea of, of friendship is kind of at the core of the piece. You know, I get a little stressed out whenever there's an odd couple movie without Kevin Hart in it. I, I, but, I, but I still feel like I can get behind this one. Uh, how was it working with others in the cast? I've just enjoyed working with, um, with both David Yates and David Emmons so much. They have, it's so clear that Harry Potter and Fantastic Beasts come from a place in, in J.K. Rowling's heart and, um, that, and she is incredibly passionate about it. And I can't think of two more passionate people to, to take those stories and take them out into, in, in, into, the, into the world as far as film's concerned. Um, they have, they are scrupulous with character and, and, and with um, coming up with ideas and, and really allowing you the space and freedom to come up with your own ideas as well whilst also having this childlike sense of wonder and encouraging that in us. Hmm. So, Eddie, what kicks off our story? There is this, um, this incredibly mysterious figure called Grindelwald who has been wreaking havoc in Europe um, and has disappeared. Uh, it has caused the wizarding community internationally a, a huge amount of fear um, because there is an element to Grindelwald that has a kind of fascistic element, fascistic qualities. There is a, um, he has a brutality to him. He believes in the superiority of the wizarding community over the muggle community, the nomad community, and um, he's ruthless. So yeah, nice, nice fellow. He had, he had very <laughs> soft hands. <laughs> very soft hands. That's important. It's important. Yeah, I, I think so too. It, it helps you uh, be a better actor. I got nothing. Uh, and then <laughs> also I sat down with a woman who had weirdly calloused hands. It was actually surprising. <laughs> she, she's obviously done a lot of manual labor. So what inspired Fantastic Beasts? It was a textbook that Harry Potter used at school. During the writing of that textbook, I became quite interested in the ostensible author, Newt Scamander. And of all the characters in Potter who were just a name, he was the one who took on quite a bit of life in my mind. Well, you know what they say, better your mind than your elbow. So just what is Newt up to? Newt's been traveling the world studying magical creatures. His ambition is he, he, he wants to write the book. He wants to write Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. He wants people to understand how remarkable these creatures are. And he wants to educate the public and stop them killing them. A very laudable design, one would say. But Newt being Newt, he can't resist if he finds something that's injured or endangered taking it with him. So over time, this case has become effectively a, a portable animal hospital slash safari park for endangered species. I wonder if we'll find any aliens for this safari park because they mostly come out at night. Mostly. Sorry, that was, that was a forced Newt reference from, from a 1986 James Cameron film. Uh, so if you don't have tension and you don't have a conflict, what don't you have? If you haven't got tension, if you haven't got conflict, you haven't got a story. Newt's in an alien environment on so many levels. It's America, and he's British. He doesn't really understand how the magical world works here, and he accidentally opens a case full of magical creatures in the middle of New York, in arguably the most hostile place he could have done this. 
it's you know so he's he's blundered hugely and he's walked into a situation that he doesn't understand at all something that has implications for the whole wizarding world something he gets caught up in so uh all of that is massive fun to write it certainly sounds fun so who are the characters at the core of the story you start with four pretty ill-assorted people with very different agendas newt simply wants to get his creatures back in that case and get out of there tina is involved in something bigger but she's a demoted aura so she shouldn't really be messing around with these things and yet is compelled to queenie is a sweetheart who is in many ways the glue of the group she just she doesn't she's a nice person and uh then you've got jacob who increasingly is fascinated by what's happening and wants to stick with them but it is the friendship that develops between the four of them that is the most important thing in the movie so david yates is coming back the same director behind the last four harry potter films could you talk about that a little bit i was thrilled david yates wanted to do it He's just the nicest man who ever walked the earth. He's great. He understands the world and the material so well. We've always got on so well and, and we work together, I think, really well. And David Heyman, you know, he was there right from the beginning. He was right from the beginning. Uh, I, we go back such a long way. It was, um, I couldn't really imagine doing it without him. So yeah, so so there you go. And and remember, we I, I almost we had we didn't make it official, but we've kind of got our, our bet, right? Like uh you think Fantastic Beasts is gonna pull in more money than the uh the Star Wars spinoff. I did say that. Yeah. We we should come up with yeah. some we should come up with some high stakes of some kind. Because I'm gonna We, we I'm, probably should. <laughs> despite this fantastic sit down with both of these very important people to this uh, Fantastic Beast film and Harry Potter and everything. Uh, you know what? I, I'm going to root, and it's it's hysterical that I'm going to call this film the underdog. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> like I'm going to root for the underdog in this one. I think it's. I'm crossing my fingers. I'm probably going to be like way way off by like hundreds of millions of dollars. I think, but um, I I'm going to stick with it. I think it's an actually interesting, especially because if you think about the timing, right? Because mm-hmm. now a lot of people that were fans of the original, the original seven. A lot of them are probably parents by now and kind of grew up with the films. Right. So now they've got kids that they're going to drag to this thing, which is really what happened with Star Wars. Right. You know, so I, I actually I think it's a compelling enough bet to actually be made. I don't I don't think I mean, listen, do you want to make a bleh, not going to go politics, but there's a <laughs> lot of people that would have lost a lot of money, I think. Uh, so I, I think um, I don't know. I think it's a bet worth making. But but I th- we, we do have to figure out stakes. We don't have to figure those out now. But there's got to be right. some stakes. We've got to figure some something out. I like it. I like it. Cool. I'm going to think on it, and I'm going to shoot you an email. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I'm also going to ask, uh, I'm going to see my, my fellow critics tonight, um, Matt and Mike, uh, who are two of our loyal listeners, uh, with Last One to Leave and Shake Fire. So I'm going to let them weigh in on that and what they think the stakes should be. I, I think that's great. I think that's great. Yeah. The more ridiculous, the better. They're going to laugh at me and be like, Emma, you're going to lose. <laughs> but it's fine. It's cool. Uh, it's cool. It's cool. So, so it's cool. yeah, listen, I, I will take nothing for granted because I'm sure this thing is going to kill. It's, yeah, it's, it's going to do all right. Especially if it's good. Yeah. And I've heard it. I've heard it's fantastic. Yeah. So, ha, fantastic, fantastic beast. Ah, I see what I you did. Myself up. That was good. 
That was, that was... It's probably going to be like every annoying like review headline like after it comes out. <laughs> Just like Fantastic Beast, we're fantastic. It was fantastic. That was the um, beast joke ever. Yes. No, I love it. No, my God, I just, <laughs> I just died a little on the inside. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that that's out this Friday, and we're gonna have a review of that one uh, next next week. We'll let you know how it holds up and how it does at the box office, and um, a bunch of more cool stuff too. Project Cosplay, of course, this Thursday at Joystick Game Bar. We start at nine sharp, and it is Harry Potter themed in. Um, celebration of Fantastic Beast coming out this Friday. I'm going to have t-shirts and wands and posters and all sorts of fun stuff and swag that Harry Potter fans would want to have. So you guys should nice. come out and uh, uh, attend the show and it's free. Get there early because we do have a limited amount of seats and it's going to be a great show. Uh, again, Ming Chen from Comic Book Men is going to be our guest judge, and we've got a bunch of cool surprises in store. So we'll talk about that next week, and of course how Fan Fest went, and hopefully have um, an interview. I want to I want to do one of the Gilmore Girl interviews um, for next week, so we can kind of tease tease the uh, the Netflix series return. So we'll we'll pull something from that. And La La Land, I'm just going to keep telling you guys how amazing it is until the week of December 9th when I can actually, like, <laughs> officially talk about it. But, oh, my God, you guys. So, so good. <laughs> so good. I'm like, if I didn't, like, ar- if I wasn't already completely sold on Ryan Gosling and I feel like he's one of my soulmates, him and Jason Siegel, I think the three of us could, like, live happily ever after together. It might be awkward for um, those two, but, you know, I'd come over and visit. It might be awkward for them, yeah. but, you know, yeah. I'd be happy. So. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, it's it's such a, such a great movie. Um, definitely keep that one on your radar. So is it? Is there, I'm just going to ask, and we don't have to, because I know you can't really talk about it. Is it? Is it good because it's funny, or, or is why? What's the good? Just, just it's, like a one word answer. Good. Oh my god, um, that's so hard to do. It is. It's good on so many different levels, okay. and comedy. There's definitely a great sense of humor in the film. It's a happy film. It's a happy film. Okay. Good. Good. I I could use one of those. I do. I dude. I like Ryan Gosling a lot. I'll 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 put him. He's not quite an A list man crush for me, but he's he he'd be allowed to come to the the man crush party, which would be the, <laughs> that would be a horrible party. Like, hey, why are you here? Oh, that dude has a man crush on me. What does that even mean? I don't know. I think it means he likes my work. Oh, this is boring. <laughs> this is boring here. <laughs> You know, he's a great actor, though, and I really do think that he's going to be around for, for the long haul. He's done some amazing work, and he has such a, a unique sense of, of humor that I feel like is, is very, uh, it's, it, his timing is so perfect, and it's such a, a different kind of refreshing, just natural form of comedy for him that I just, I love seeing him in those types of roles, and, and this one is is no exception. I, I'm sure it's going to be nominated in the um, the comedy or musical category, and I wouldn't be surprised if it won that category, so um, I'm, I'm spacing on what else would be up against it. Um, <laughs> Doesn't matter, because none of them yeah. star Ryan Gosling, right? Because it was like, last year, The Martian was nominated as a comedy, and I still, I'm like, what? <laughs> was that last year? <laughs> it was nominated as a comedy? Yeah, it was nominated in the huh. comedy or musical category, and everyone was like, "What the heck?" Okay, I guess yeah. you know. I, you know, I, I guess uh, there were some poop jokes because he did grow potatoes. Out of, yeah, all right, all right there, cool. 
it had a it had a good sense of humor in it too, but I wouldn't classify it as a comedy. Neither would but, I. Yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, that's the way Hollywood and uh, the the foreign press works work now. So, um, <laughs> so we'll we'll see uh, we'll see how it all all turns out. All right. Well, well, there you go. There you go. So, all right. Well, next week is going to be a big week. I'm I'm mostly sure, mostly sure. Hopefully that uh, Mandy and I will be there for a project cosplay so if anybody needed another two reasons to go we are your huckleberries which is a quote <laughs> which is a quote from what film emma loggins oh god it's probably from that one that i still haven't watched isn't it <laughs> with james vanderbeek in that it. was that was not from angus that was not from angus oh. it was from tombstone it was a val Kilmer quote from tombstone but that's i love that i've at least <laughs> i've at least gotten far enough into your head that you have guilt Around the Angus, yeah, that's, that's. It's literally it's written on a list that's on my desk right now of films that I have to watch before the end of the year. <laughs> so it's gonna happen, and then we're gonna have like a special like special episode just for that. I do. Here's the sad truth: is I would absolutely be happy to have that episode. <laughs> I actually, you know what? I could actually use an Angus watching right now. That would probably lift my spirits. Aww. Uh, um. All right. Well, that's that's everything that I have. Do you That's have everything more to that speak I to? have too. Yeah, okay. it's uh, it's going to be an awesome, an awesome uh, next episode. So, you guys stay tuned. It's going to be great. Sorry for this one being crap. We're the next one. That's <laughs> what it's going to start getting good. Yeah, it's just a tease for next week. <laughs> we, we are the, the whole thing has been a tease for the last episode. That's the one that you're going to be blown away by. Well, guys, thanks for joining us and listening this week. Uh, again, my name is Emma Loggins with Bamble.com. My name is Jakai Mickelson, Design God. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that feels, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel important enough. And uh, independent filmmaker. Thank you for listening. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week.